I love how God's word can be really challenging, but also really liberating at the same time. Does anyone know what I mean? Amen. Amen. John 8.31 says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's say that together. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Do we have any true disciples in the house of God tonight? Amen. I'm in the right place. You know, so over the last week, few weeks, we've been working on the book of Revelation. We've been learning about the seven different churches in Asia Minor that Jesus wrote seven letters to. And we know that the Asia Minor region was kind of what we would call our modern-day Turkey. But today we're focusing on the fourth of the church, the fourth church, the fourth church, which is called Thyatira. And it's in my Bible, it says the corrupt church. The one that had, well, I'm adding this bit, the one that had a virus in its system. <laughs> and it's basically one of the most scathing letters that Jesus writes of the seven letters that he does. And I've been looking at this image behind us for the last few weeks, just kind of like looking at the different churches. And each of these seven stained glass windows could represent one of the churches. Oh, I mustn't move too much. I might stand here. One, each of these windows could represent each of the seven churches that Jesus was referring to. Now, there's only one that looks really nice, and that's the one in the middle, and that's the, the church that had no problems as such. And we're going to hear about that one in a few weeks. But I reckon that this window over here, the most broken and the most ripped up one, probably represents Thyatira. So when you're, when you're, when you're listening, think about that being the broken one because it's the worst of them all. And Jesus writes to them, and he heavily, heavily, heavily corrects them. So let's turn to Revelation 2 in our Bibles. And let's read the letter that Jesus wanted them to hear. Now I'm gonna use a bit of creative license tonight. Let's imagine that we are all the church of Thyatira. Can you imagine that? And we're all sitting there, and we're all ready, and we're all waiting. And someone announces that Jesus has a letter to read to us. Is anyone ready to hear the letter? Yes. Amen. So it says, it starts off really well, and it says, Jesus saying, I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and your perseverance, and that you now are doing more than you did at first. Is that good? Yeah, positive words. Jesus is speaking positive words, and you can imagine all of us sitting here, nodding at each other. We're doing okay, guys. Jesus has recognized that we have love and faith, that we have service and perseverance, that we're, we're doing good. We've got agape love towards one another. We're sharing, we're doing acts of service. I think things are good. But then the bombshell drops. Verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Oh, we feel the chills. Imagine, Jesus has a few things against us. You can imagine everyone squirming in their seats. What does it mean? What are you, what, what's going on? What do you mean that Jesus has a few things against us? Whatever could be wrong. Whatever could be wrong. Now, understanding the background about Thyatira under, helps us to understand what Jesus says next. And so the city of Thyatira was one which was a city that would have been very well known in the first century for its business and its trade. 
And in fact, we read about a lady called Lydia, um, who's a, purple, a seller of purple cloth, who, who is met by the Apostle Paul in one of his missionary journeys. And she actually becomes a Christian and becomes converted. And um, we think, we we'll believe that she goes to Thyatira because that's where she's from. And maybe she's one of those first people that spread the gospel in Thyatira. But basically, the city is well known for its business and its trade. And it's very interesting that each business in Thyatira was actually organized and dedicated to a specific guild. So you, if you think about our labor unions now, each, organ, each industry was organized around a specific labor union. And you had to belong to the trade. You had belong, to belong to the guild to be part of the trade. So for example, if I worked in the pottery industry, I needed to belong to the guild for pottery or the guild for linen or whatever I did, I belonged to the guild with all the other workers in that industry. Now the problem was that each of these guilds was linked to a pagan god. So pagan gods like Zeus or Artemis or Apollo, each of them was responsible for the guilds. And basically, as a guild member, you were expected to come and worship the god that was linked to your trade. So you would have to come and you would have to participate in the temple worship for your trade to basically be employed, but also to show that god that you cared about your industry and everybody else that you cared about your industry. And it gets worse, because at these festivals, you were expected to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and you were also expected to engage in sexual immorality. And it was part of their worship. In fact, some of these temples actually had um, prostitutes, male and female prostitutes, that were connected with the temples and were there pretty much full time. And so this was a part of their worship. Now, you can imagine, as a Christian, the problems that you would be facing in that culture. Choose Jesus or choose your career. And so bearing that background in mind then, let's read on to what Jesus says. He says, verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Now, obviously, these are extremely scathing words, cutting words from Jesus to the church at Thyatira. Jesus is essentially saying to them, guys, I know you. I know you, I know you really well, and I know that fundamentally you are Christian. You do believe. You do have faith. You do have love. You do have good acts of service. But in amongst you, you've allowed a false teacher to come in and completely teach the complete opposite of what you know to be true. She's telling you to engage in immoral sexual activity at the Guild Festivals. She's telling you that it's not a big deal. She's telling you that you can, can get away with that. And I've tried to be patient with her. I've even asked her to repent. 
but she's refused to repent. And so I will have to bring about judgment and destruction. But thank God, it's not all bad news. Because Jesus says to those who are not involved in the deep things of Satan, to keep on going, to hold fast to the truth, to be overcomers. And it says, and then they will receive power to rule over the nations. Amen. Amen. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, what was wrong with all those people in Thyatira? How could they be so compromised? What was wrong with them? How could they be so compromised and yet call themselves believers? How is that possible? But I believe that Jesus is actually asking us all a question here as well as the people in Thyatira tonight. The first question, I've got three questions for us tonight, but the first question to all of us, as well as to those in Thyatira, is who is teaching you? Who are you allowing to teach you? Now, verse 20 says, because you allow, that that phrase just jumped out when I read it, because because you allow means because you permit, you allow one to do as they wish, you don't put on restraint, you just leave them to do it. This is the problem. Now, in the church in Thyatira, we know that this false teacher who was nicknamed Jezebel, now we know it's not obviously the Jezebel of the Old Testament, but she was nicknamed that because of her conduct. And Jezebel in the Old Testament, just in case you don't know, was married to King Ahab, and she was a despicable character who basically went around killing the priests of God and sent the whole of Israel into idol worship. So she, she, was, she was a very terrible character, but this false teacher is nicknamed the same as her. And she was given free reign by the leadership, free reign by the congregation. Effectively, she was invited in. But Jesus is reminding them here that they had a choice. He says, you had a choice, but you let society influence you more than God's word. And when she showed up, when she showed up, she basically gave you a face and a voice to condone what was already in your hearts. She was giving them a license to say, you know, we still believe in Jesus, but we can still go to the guild. We can still love the things of God and love the things of the world. You might hear that somewhere around, even in this day and age. Oh yeah, you can still love Jesus and still do X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah, it doesn't really matter, because you know, as long as you love Jesus, it doesn't really matter. And that's what this woman was saying to the church, and they were believing her. But it reminds us that we need to allow the word of God to teach us. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let's say that together. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Does anyone love the Father tonight? Amen. 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 And so this brings us to this first point, which is, who are you allowing to teach us? We need to get into the word for ourselves. I think that's one of the biggest things that come out of reading this. We need to get into the word ourselves. Uh, it says, it says in, um, in Timothy, study to so, show yourself approved. Be one of the people who have actually studied the word of God for yourself. You know, I, I believe that it's very easy for us to just walk in and go from service to service to service and just kind of operate by listening to Christian sound bites. And I have to say, you know, for many years, I feel like that's how my walk was. I was kind of, I've been at this church for about 22 years, let me, let me just explain that. And um, when I 
when I first came, obviously I was a new believer and I, I didn't know many things. Um, but I was very happy kind of to just get those sound bites, those, those um, different scriptures that would encourage me and keep me excited enough to come back the next week. But I needed to come to a place and get more mature where I started to read the word of God for myself. And I started to double check. Because it's important here that we learn that we need to be careful what we listen to. You know, I think we're a generation. Does anyone watch YouTube? You can, put, you can admit it. Does anyone watch YouTube here? Yeah? Anyone listen to different people talking on YouTube? Yes. And sometimes when you hear them talking, you listen to them, don't you? Do you go and background check who they are? Is everyone background check? Okay, we've got a few background checkers here, but I'm sure many of you, you listen and you take it as gospel truth. It's like information coming to you. But we need to be careful what we hear. I have to say, when I went to Bible school, I was so excited because I realized that a lot of the things that I thought I knew, I didn't actually know. And actually, it was about getting the context of the Bible, what was written when, what means what, which part of the, of the nation we're talking about, who did what to who, what was the background context. It was all so important. And so really tonight, really to emphasize that we all need to study for ourselves. Whatever anyone's saying to you, what anyone, you know, wherever you are, you know, whether you're here or anywhere else, it's important that you read the scriptures for yourself and you analyze them. Jesus himself is our greatest teacher. And what has he been trying to teach you? Imagine you're standing with Jesus and he, he comes in the room and, and it's you and Jesus standing next to each other and he says, you know, you're great. You're kind, you're so generous, but I have a few things against you. I have a few things against you, things that are damaging your relationship with me. What do you do with that? What would you do if Jesus said that to you? <laughs> well, you could either listen and say, Jesus, what, what is it? What are those things that are, are coming against our relationship? Or you could ignore it. And I believe that many of you here will have had the Lord speaking to you, nudging you. He's been trying to teach you, and he does that sometimes by conviction through the Holy Spirit. You'll know when God is saying, no, why are you doing that? Why are you going this way? Come back this way. Jesus is continually teaching us. Maybe he's been teaching you or poking you and reminding you not to tell lies. Maybe he's been speaking to you about the thoughts that you've been having in your mind that you probably think that nobody else knows about, but it says that Jesus searches the hearts and the minds. Or maybe you're someone and you're just, you know, watching things that you know you probably shouldn't be watching, but you think, well, it's okay, and Jesus has been saying to you, that's not, that's not what I want from you. There's, there's more for you. So tonight, I believe, number one, is our take home. I'm gonna do three questions, but I'm gonna also do three take home points because I feel like this is quite a practical sermon, a practical message. Number one is we need to set our limits. Say set your limits. Set your limits. We're basically open to the wrong teaching when we're either desperate or ill-prepared. That's when our ears start to open. And the scriptures talk about having itchy ears. And sometimes when you're desperate and you're, you know, emotionally desperate or financially desperate or just feeling like anxious, you know, someone might come with a solution. And unless you've set your barriers, set your boundaries, set your limits, you might just kind of go, go with what they're saying. 
And another way that we, we do that and we, we kind of go the wrong way is when we haven't decided what we believe in the first place. You know, have you actually sat down, read the scriptures, seen what God says, and worked out what you are believing? It's so important, because that's what keeps us from ending up in a number of difficult situations and scrapes. Also, take note of the areas that you are prone to compromise in. Does anyone here, can, I, can anyone here identify an area that they are prone to compromise in? Can anyone put their hand up for that? Is anyone? I think I can. Everyone is prone to compromise in some way, shape, or form. And so, therefore, we need to work out what our weak bits are and then put in some limits to ensure that we don't go to places we shouldn't be going. If you don't set your clear limits, who else will? Amen. So, Psalm 16.6 says, I love this scripture. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Where are your boundary lines tonight? Where have you placed them? Are they in a place to keep you safe? Yeah? Are they in a place to keep you safe? And so that takes me on to the second question, which is, who is seducing you? We had who is teaching you, but now we're, we're answering the question that they needed to ask in Thyatira, which was, who is actually seducing you? It's really interesting that festivals and entertainment were used to seduce the believers into compromising situations. And I believe it's the same today because at festivals and at parties, we let our guard down and we can be so seduced, so taken off guard. The other night I had a dream and this, this was a, a very disturbing dream. But basically I was at the bottom of a tall um, department store, store and I was walking towards the department store and there was all these really glamorously dressed people outside the department store and they looked fantastic. And I was thinking, oh, what's going on here? And so this is a dream, by the way, it's not, it's not a real story. Um, so I'm, I'm following these people in to this department store and there are all these elevators that are going up to the top of the building. And all over the department store, people are like looking really glamorous. They're dressed to the nines, but there's an atmosphere in there. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of um, uh, cameras flashing. There's a lot of things that are happening. And I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here? But then I start to follow the people up the elevators. And as I get further and further up the department store, there's more and more debauchery. There's more and more bad things happening. And there's more and more intoxication. It seems that they're getting drunker and drunker as they go to the top. And then I go to the top of this amazing department store and I look out and there's a balcony and people are literally walking towards the balcony and standing at the end of the balcony is Satan himself dressed in a suit. And he's literally inviting people to jump off the building free will and effectively commit suicide. And I'm instantly like taken down to the bottom of the building and these people are falling down one by one, and just before they're about to die, it's almost like they get a moment of realization, but it's too late because they're dead. And I was like, Lord, what is that? That is so terrible. And it was like the Lord was saying to me, that is what I'm talking about, intoxication, deception. How can you imagine, you know, being taken on this journey and then dropped of your own free will? You actually chose to jump off into death. Wow. And so it's interesting, in Thyatira then, if we go back, 
that it's sex and food which affect the body, which are the tools that are being used to contaminate the people. Now, the first sin that Jesus identifies is that eating food sacrificed to idols is not what he desires. That's one of the first things he says is not good. And we know from um, reading 1 Corinthians that Apostle Paul explains why that is. He basically says that if you're eating food sacrificed to idols, you are basically by association suggesting to other people who also may be looking at you because you're a Christian that it's okay to worship the temple idols. And so that's why Paul was saying it's not a good thing to be doing. And that was a sin. But the second sin that is highlighted in this passage twice, even, even more times than that, is sexual immorality. It's the one that is mentioned and mentioned and mentioned, and I believe that's for a reason. The false teacher was teaching that sexual activities outside of marriage were absolutely fine. And we think, you know, from reading some of the commentaries, that she may have been influenced by a philosophy called Gnosticism, which was in those days in the first and second century, which basically taught that your body was evil and your spirit was good. So it didn't really matter what you did with your body, because as long as your spirit was okay with God, that was it. And so she might have been using some of that philosophy as well. But I believe that's actually really similar to today. I think that that idea of not necessarily seeing our bodies as God sees them is something that many of us are struggling with. You know, if you think about all the different sins that the Bible talks about, there are some that we're like, yeah, that's a sin. That's definitely a sin. That's definitely a sin. If I say murder, you say, is that a sin? Yeah, yeah that's a sin. Everyone says that instantly, that's a sin. If I say um, violence, is that a sin? Yeah. yeah, that's instantly a sin. If I say stealing, is that a sin? Yeah, so we have no problem with that one. But with sexual immorality, is that a sin? Yeah. Okay, I'm in the right place. For many people, though, even within the church, I was speaking to someone in the church recently, and they, they said, Corin. I'm sorry, but the church is just so old-fashioned. They're really old-fashioned, and it's just not realistic in our day and age to be like expecting people like not to engage in sexual activity. And you know, our society may be changing, but we have to remember that the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. I say it, we're in a strong program of brainwashing. That's, what I can, that's the only way I can describe it, yeah? The billboards, the shopping centers, the supermarkets. I mean, the supermarkets? The movies, education, train stations, wherever you go, it's almost like the mantra that sex sells is everywhere. And people are being kind of, you know, coerced into agreeing with it. And we need to be really careful what diet we're eating we need to be careful what the diet is that we're eating and whose agenda we are following. God says that there's a reason to be sexually pure. The enemy actually wants your body. That's the whole point. He wants your body. Why? Because your body is a temple of God. Let's read that scripture, 1 Corinthians 16. This is one to highlight in your Bible, highlight in your phone, carry around with you. It says... Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Your body belongs to God. It belongs to God. Now, sexual sin is very blinding. Satan wants you hooked. He wants you trapped. That's his whole job. He wants you to dishonor your body and he wants you to dishonor God. But God's will is for you to be holy. 
It says, so stay away from all sexual sin. God wants you to be pure and holy. He wants you to have a consecrated body for him. It says, for I am the Lord your God in Deuteronomy. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Do we serve a holy God in this place tonight? And so bearing in mind God is pure and holy, God reminds us of God's plan for sex in the first place. Jesus says it himself in Matthew 19, verse 5. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I don't want anyone to leave here with the wrong impression that, you know, God, God wants you to know that sex is actually very beautiful, and he designed it beautifully. He designed it for marriage, for procreation, but unfortunately, our society has, has twisted it. And, you know, I don't want to let, leave anyone feeling here in condemnation, because I have to say, before I came to church, I, I got saved when I was 19 in California, and then when I was about 21, after I finished my degree, I came to KT. And a lot of the brainwashing had already taken place in my mind, but I thank God for my cell leader. I'll just give her a little shout out, Samantha, if she's watching. She, she literally sat with me and she had to undo the mess that was in my head. Yeah, she had to like wash my brain out. And I was continually arguing with her and going, what do you mean, why didn't it? And she's like, let's read the scripture. And every time we went back to the scripture, it still said the same thing. And it was like, Corinne, you're wrong. And I had to accept the word of God. Do I follow God or do I follow my own mind? Now, I thank God that I followed God. Yeah, I could have walked away, but I followed God. And I thank God that, you know, 18 years I've been married. I thank God for that. <laughs> Praise Lord. I've got four wonderful children as well. And I believe it's because I, I, I followed God's way. I followed God's way. And I'm not to say that, you know, that's always so simple and everything happens the way it, it, it's, it's supposed to in our minds. But I, I just believe that that was a turning point in my life where I heard the word of truth for the first time. And I was thinking, I've, I've not really heard that before. I've not really heard statements like no sex before marriage. I, I, I wasn't grown up in the church. So I hadn't heard that kind of thing before. But then when I heard it, it made sense. I was like, oh, okay, I get it, God. I, I, I understand. And, um, you know, I speak to people about this all the time. I don't know why it's, it's, not, it's not my favorite topic, but it's one that a lot of people seem to talk to me about. And people say to me, you know, Lord, I mean, not Lord, they say to me, Corinne, you know, I, I feel like I need someone. I just can't wait. They say, you know, Corinne, it's not that serious. It's really not that serious. Everybody's doing it. It's not such a big deal. And I get it. It seems enticing. But remember, the wages of sin is actually death. And God calls us who are married and unmarried to give our bodies and our sexuality to him. He owns our body, that's it. And he will help you if, you, if, you've, if you've got a skewed perspective to that. He will help you. Jesus writes the most brutal letter to the church in Thyatira. And when we look at why he writes that, it's because of sexual immorality. And so if we can hear the sound from heaven, if we can hear the message from heaven tonight, it's God saying... Sexual immorality is not what he desires in any of our lives. And if you think about it, actually, sex is actually one of the reasons in, in society, outside of marriage, why there's a lot of damage, why there's a lot of pain, why there's a lot of trauma. Yeah, people are in, in different situations. Sometimes you might think, okay, well, it's just by engaging in it. I'm not engaging in it, but I'm, I'm watching it. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. 
So don't open the door. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. You know, maybe you're here today, and on paper you look like the perfect Christian. You're full of service, you're full of acts of faith, you're full of love. But deep down you know you've entered into behaviours that are against God's word. And the enemy tells you, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Just dip your foot in and dip your foot out. You're going to be fine. But God says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Why? Because when Satan gets a foothold, he, he literally gets his foot in the door and then he swings the whole door open in your face. That's how the enemy operates. And what do you do then if you're already involved? I know many of you here might be in situations. If you've already opened the door, Jesus makes it clear. Confess, repent, turn away, take every possible action to ensure no repeat. Drastic action. It's not a joke. It's drastic action that's needed. It says in this passage, don't learn Satan's deep, dark secrets. But if you already know them and you've already indulged, you can ask the Lord to wash your mind. Lord, I want spiritual amnesia from that. I don't want to remember that. I don't want to remember what I've indulged in until you tell me it's the right time in a marriage relationship. I love it when um, in, well, I don't love it, but King David, when he commits adultery with Bathsheba, he, he cries out to God after he's confronted by the prophet Nathan. And he writes Psalm 51 where he says, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God. Purify me. Purge me with hyssop. He's almost like saying, God, wash me of everything that's wrong. Wash me. Just like clean me of all this. Oh, wow, Lord. You know, the other day I was, um, I was on my computer and I was actually looking for, um, actually, I was, you know, I was told to look for a video for some of the church services. I'm looking for this, this stuff on the church service. Pastor Scott knows what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, I'm clicking all these different things for church services. And then out of the corner of my eye on my computer screen, comes this little image. And I almost think I'm, I'm dreaming. But there's a little image that comes up. And I, I look across, and there's a woman on, on the screen doing all sorts of things to herself. And I'm thinking, I, I'm just in panic. Like, where did that happen? How did that get on my screen? And I'm panicking, and I'm like trying to switch the thing off. And it was, it was just, I said to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I feel like I've just been assaulted. Like, my brain has just been assaulted. I, I didn't, you know, I was, I was looking for church. I mean, it's quite ironic. I was looking for something to do with church, and then maybe they have a link to how that pops up. I don't know how it works, but it was, it was really terrifying and horrifying. And I was thinking, you know, the enemy is always looking for a breach. Yeah, he's always looking for a little seed to sow in your life, in your heart. But take home two tonight. Take home one with set limits. Take home two is be accountable and get some help. I thank God that in this passage that Jesus says, I gave her time to repent. I gave her time to repent. Our God is so merciful. He's so kind. He's so patient. He works with us. He works with us. But you're, you know, if you're trapped in a cycle or you, you know, you're in a situation, don't feel judged. I, I just believe the Lord is really encouraging us tonight that there is a way out, that his name is Jesus, but he's also calling you to call out for help, to be accountable, and to speak out about it. Because it says, John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah? The darkness has not overcome it, and it will never overcome the things of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. It also says, James 5, 16, 
Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Wow, when I was praying over this topic, it's almost like I I didn't realize the extent of what would be happening when I was preparing to, to talk about this tonight. But a real burden came on my heart as I was praying. And the Lord was saying, it was like, it was so strong in in my prayer. God was saying, I hate this. I hate this. I hate my people being trapped in this. This is really, really serious. And so I believe that even just by talking about this tonight, we are taking territory back from the enemy. Does anyone believe that? Amen. And for those of you who you're like, well, you know, this isn't really my issue. I'm, I'm not really struggling with this. As Jesus says, keep on doing well, hold on, hold fast until I come, persevere and encourage others. When I was praying, the Lord was almost showing me that we can be, um, help people who are in situations come out by lifting them out, by holding their hand up, by praying with them, and by being a supporter. It's almost like we needed to stand in the gap. And God wants us to raise, he wants to raise up intercessors even in this room. Some of you here used to really think really strongly about this topic. Used to, used to really be aligned with what God was saying. But over the years, over, over the months, you know, you've seen a lot of things and you've been like, okay, well, you know, you've almost become desensitized. And the Lord doesn't want any of us desensitized. I, I saw so many statistics this week. 4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. It's almost like when I was researching this, it was, it was opening up like a can of worms, and the Lord was saying, it's the same spirit. Amen. It's the same spirit, whether it's lust, whether it's pornography, whether it's prostitution, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same spirit. And so if you're here in this room and the Lord has put this burden on your heart tonight, we're going to be praying for intercessors who are going to pray about this topic, who are going to pray to help people come out of this situation. And so that leads me on to the third and final. How can you be an overcomer? Now, in Thyatira, there are two groups, those who are seduced and those who are faithful. Those who are seduced and those who are faithful. And at first glance, you might not be able to tell the difference between them. You might come up to them and they both say, I love Jesus. I really love Jesus. I love Jesus. And you'd be thinking, oh, everyone here loves Jesus. This is great. But paying closer attention to their lifestyle would reveal the true disciples. I was watching a video um, this week, and it brought me to tears. It was, it was a video about the underground church in China. And I was watching these Chinese people who had gathered in caves, hundreds and thousands of them, and they were worshipping the Lord. They were praying with all they had. They were crying out for the Lord. And it was incredible. You just saw the passion. You saw the fire. You saw the fervency. And they were dancing and singing. And I was thinking, wow, Lord, this is amazing. And then as the commentator was explaining, they could lose their lives for worshipping Jesus. They could literally be killed and lose their lives for doing that. But they love Jesus. And it's like the Lord was reminding us that, you know, it's only the faithful, it's only the faithful that are going to be able to stand in the times that are coming. And also with the Thyatiran people, you know, we have to remember that there was still a remnant. There was still a remnant within that church who were being faithful. And you can imagine what they were going through because their, their situation would have been difficult. And so this church, they were dancing, they were singing, they were passionate. And I was just reminded that the Lord is calling us tonight 
to remember what side we're going to be on. Are we going to be like those who refuse to repent and end up in a bed of suffering and spiritual death? Or are you going to be like those, the remnant, who Jesus says he's going to give them authority to rule over nations? He's going to give them Jesus, the morning star. The letter ends with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's almost like saying, no one will ever be able to say that they never knew to repent. So three questions. Let me remind you of them. Who is teaching me? Let's say that. Who is teaching me? Who is seducing me? And how can I be an overcomer? And then three take homes. Set your limits. Be accountable and get help. And for those of you where this isn't such a strong thing, stand in the gap.